Welcome back to Fall Classic Rewind, the stories behind the World Series. The 2023 season has come to its end with the Rangers defeating the Diamondbacks in five games at Chase Field, taking the series, winning their first ever World Series title under the stewardship of Bruce Bochy and new GM Chris Young. Going to have a lot to say about Game 5, about this Rangers run. We're going to have the highlights coming up for you very shortly. As well as hearing from some of the standout stars from this game, from this series, from the manager, from the GM, but also from the broadcasters. A historic call for the guy who's been there for 45 years, Eric Nadell of the Rangers. And a sign-off, and perhaps with a little bit of disappointment, but with a lot of grace and a lot of happiness for Greg Schulte, the play-by-play radio guy for the D-backs who's been there since the beginning for them. It's really important. As you know, if you listen to this show, and then if you don't, I really care about the broadcast element, whether it's television or radio, of how you present the game. And I think the radio broadcasts were so good in this World Series. TV broadcast left a little bit to, de- to be desired, and I actually saw a great article out there or kind of a post from a guy who um, is a uh, broadcaster, I believe for the Lansing Lugnuts, who are a minor league team. And he talks about how calling a game is like being on a one-sided phone call. Who's your audience? Who are you talking to? And I, I, want you to listen to how Greg Schulte, Eric Nadell, Matt Hicks, Tom Candiotti, Chris Garagiola, how they bring you into the conversation, how they engage you with these calls, setting the scene. Radio, of course, is a different ballgame than TV, but they cover a lot of the same ground. And... It's important to engage with that and to celebrate those who do it so well. And also to to stand as something to, you know, how we can improve the World Series. And that's what I want to highlight is the guys who get it done so well. Not just the players, but also the broadcasters. I mean, I love, you know, we've got the long connection like Chris Garagiola whose grandfather Joe for many years was the voice of the World Series think about that that's our connection a through way back to those times not to mention we've had Bruce Bruce Bochy Dusty Baker you know 
we don't know how much longer we're going to have these connections going back. The people who remember when we go back that far. And so that's going to be a really important part of the things I highlight about this World Series, about this Game 5. And as we look ahead to what's the future of baseball, what more stories are we going to tell in the future, what's to come, but also what happened in the past and digging digging into a little bit of nostalgia to relive some of those great memories and make sure that there's a through line with those connections to the future. With an eye on the future, and before we get into game five, here's a word from our sponsor. As we say goodbye to the 2023 World Series and the baseball season, we here at Crapshoot Kings are saying a big hello to next year's 2024 baseball season, the postseason, and the fall classic. That's right. You can place your bets all off-season and all year long at Crapshoot Kings. We've made it easy for you by setting the odds on the favorites and the betting lines for next year. And it doesn't take AI or an algorithm to calculate the odds. No siree. We can just ignore the actual postseason winners and the offseason transactions and go straight to last year's standings to set the odds for the favorites to win it all next year. So that means right now, just days from the Rangers winning it all over the D-backs, we've got the Braves facing the Astros for the championship. And making the postseason, we've got the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Padres representing the NL, and the Yanks, Orioles, Rays, and Blue Jays making it to the postseason from the AL. All from the East, if that's even possible. We spent literally minutes looking at this year's regular season records to determine the postseason predictions from a year from now. I mean, why even play the season? Well, you've got to play them all if you want to bet them all, as in all of your money, with Crapshoot Kings, where the betting never takes a day off and winning and losing never, ever stops. Look for Crapshoot Kings as a major new sponsor of the MLB Umpires Association and their outerwear next year. That post I was referencing earlier uh, is actually a LinkedIn post from Jesse Goldberg Strassler, uh, who's the play-by-play voice for the Lansing Lugnuts, as well as Central Michigan University's women's basketball program. Saw it through Twitter, believe reposted by Craig Calcaterra, who shares some of the views I do of some frustration with John Smoltz and the television broadcast and the essentially the feeling of the lack of engagement where you're just kind of spouting information to spout information rather than really telling a compelling story to someone. The way how he describes, as I'm talking about Goldberg Strassler here, of the the strategy of having a one-sided phone call. What, what information do you want to let in? How do you tell about what's happening versus about what has happened? It's a really, really good post. I will link it down below in the description of the episode. 
But it does bring up an interesting point. So many broadcasters who finally get their opportunity to call the big games in the big leagues, they've laid the groundwork for years and years of doing it, like doing play-by-play in the minor league, high school, college, what have you. Same with some color analysts. You know, think about Matt Hicks, who is the secondary broadcaster for the Rangers. For 26 years, he was working double A down in Corpus Christi. Finally gets his opportunity about 12 years ago, 2011, to come up and be part of the Rangers broadcast team with a consummate pro and Eric Nadell, who of course is at that point had been doing it for almost 35 years. Of course, now he's been doing it for 45. You know, it's not unlike the minor league manager who finally gets his shot at the big leagues, a baseball lifer. Think about a Brian Snitker or a Rob Thompson. You know, those, the guys who, the people who aren't in the spotlight but have been laying the groundwork for years, have been part of the process. They just haven't had the spotlight on them. Again, it's not to say that former stars or new people can't come in and be successful. I think about Tony Kubek, who came off of a baseball career but and went into broadcasting and excelled at it. Took a lot of work, of course. But that was a transition, and and that's kind of been the model. We've seen some successes with it. We've also seen some others who are not as good at it. Maybe they're more prone to be a studio host. And I think Fox is a little bit more concerned with having the big name for the big game rather than having the voices who bring you in and engage with you. Just a little criticism on broadcasting and and all of that, um, and it's why I it's part of the reason why I do this show is to give the alternative view of that, which is the local angle, the local broadcast putting the putting the game together from another point of view that you might not have heard of, or if you had heard it, you get to relive it again. Anyway. I will get off my soapbox about broadcasting and my preferences and all of that because let's get in to this really excellent Game 5. A pitching rematch of Game 1, going to have Nathan Navaldi versus Zach Gallen, both of whom are looking to pitch much better than they did in Game 1, and they're both going to pitch a lot better. And it's really important for both of them, but especially for Zach Gallen, that they come out and pitch well. Zach Gallen, it's twofold. You're facing elimination, so you need a great start. But you also had a bullpen game blow up in front of you. And the other little part of it, too, is because the other games weren't exactly close or you were behind, it's been quite a few days since your A, since your a bullpen has gotten a chance to throw and that many days off after going in rhythm for so many days that it could potentially have an effect on their effectiveness and all that. It, 
relievers are weird creatures. Pit, baseball players are weird c- creatures. Relievers likely the weirdest among them. So paramount that Zach Gallen comes out locked in. And most importantly, right, he doesn't need to be amped up. He's not a guy who is going to be throwing upper 90s fastballs with wicked sliders and all that. He relies on good fastball location and mixing his pitches. That is when Zach Gallen is at his best. His last few starts of the playoffs, both against the Phillies and against the Rangers, he kind of seemed to be overthrowing. From the get-go in this game, early on, Zach Gallen is hitting his spots, living on the edges of the zone, dotting his curveball, mixing in the changeup every once in a while, but it's that fastball command, right? Staying out of the middle of the zone, which allows him to get off to an incredible start of this game. Through the first three innings, Zach Gallen's perfect, doesn't allow a single base runner. Gets two strikeouts in the mix, including of Evan Carter and Mitch Garver. Now, Nate Evaldi's going to be able to put up some zeros early on, but he's going to be far from perfect. He ends up walking two batters in the first inning, including Corbin Carroll, to lead off the game, who then promptly steals second base. Gets two ground outs, but then walks Christian Walker on an eight-pitch at bat, but he gets Tommy Pham to ground out to short. The first, the first of multiple failures with runners in scoring position for these Diamondbacks. Some of it is the Diamondbacks are pressing a little bit, and they're going to continue to press as this game goes on. Some of it as well is Avaldi really executing his pitches when he needs to. In the second inning, we once again get a runner in scoring position after a Lourdes Gurriel leadoff single. He moves to second on a ground up, ground out, but then Evan Longoria and Geraldo Perdomo fly out to the left fielder and the right fielder, respectively. So if you're paying attention at home, they're already 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. And we think about what happened the last few games, games three and four. The Diamondbacks fell behind early. They had opportunities to score. Christian Walker got thrown out at home by Adelis Garcia, who is, of course, no longer in the series after his injury. In game four, Cattell Marte got hosed out with two outs to end an inning trying to steal a base. And each time those happened, each time that happened, the Rangers came back and scored. Now, Zach Allen's going to do his job for as long as he can in this game to prevent the Rangers from scoring. But yet again in the third inning, the Diamondbacks are going to be knocking on the door but cannot get the job done. Corbin Carroll gets on base again, leadoff single. Cattell Marte walks on four pitches. And then Gabby Moreno, since they're so desperate to get a run, he ends up bunting them over, setting up second and third with one out. 
and Christian Walker and Tommy Fan coming up. Christian Walker's looked a lot better in this series, swinging the bat well, had a really good bat at bat against Evaldi. And of course, Tommy Pham has been the Diamondbacks' best hitter. If the Diamondbacks are going to come and score, if they're going to take a lead, they really want to do it now. But there's a reason they call him Big Game Nate. Nasty Nate Evaldi. Because when it matters most, he makes the pitches he needs. And he does it right here. Back on the rubber, a quick look into Jonah Heim. And he'll try again at two and two. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Got him with a fastball. Huge strikeout for Nathan Evaldi. It's the second out here in the bottom of the third. And for Evaldi, his first strikeout tonight. Well, that one came in at 96 miles an hour. And Walker just was a little bit late on it, it appeared. So now he takes on Pham. Pham reached on fielder's choices last time. Hits a sharp ground ball to short. But Seeger is up with it. He lets it fly. And Pham is the final out in the inning. For a third consecutive inning, Ivaldi with a bit of a Houdini act to get out of trouble. No runs, a hit. Two are left in scoring position. We head to the fourth. Rangers and Diamondbacks tied. Nothing, nothing. Such a key sequence there from Nathan Ivaldi. Runners on second and third. I mean, first of all, striking out Christian Walker. Getting him to expand that fastball on the edge of the zone that Walker can't catch up to. I mean, all Walker needs to do is stay back, hit a lazy fly ball to right field, and Corbin Carroll scores easily. You don't, it's not that complicated when you've got speed. But how Avaldi sets him up, how tough he is to hit, and how he just bows his neck, kind of as we say, bears down, locks in at his best when the Rangers absolutely need it. And then Tommy Pham hits the ball hard, just right at Corey Seager. If this game had followed the pattern of the previous two, certainly after three consecutive letdowns for the Diamondbacks, surely the Rangers would respond. But Zach Gallen's like, yeah, no, I, I'm going to stay perfect. Get uh, get through Marcus Semien and Corey Seager on two pitches. By the way, he's at only like 27 pitches through three innings. He's going to be under 40 through four because he strikes out Evan Carter again. I mean, Zach Gallen, lots of credit to him early in this game. He's phenomenal. He's amazing. Exactly what you need in this game, in an elimination game. One of the better elimination games starts you're ever going to see. It's just that on the other end, Nate Evaldi, not looking pretty through any of this. Yet he's getting the same result, which is zeros. Bottom of the fourth gets another runner in scoring position. Evan Longoria hits a two-out double. But he's able to get Geraldo Perdomo looking on a fastball paint down and away. Once again, making sure that Corbin Carroll is going to be leading off an inning, 
not hitting with guys in scoring position. Make that 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position. Actually, I think it's even more than that. (laughs) It's even more than that. I believe that's 0 for 8 now. Zach Gallen loses his perfect game in the top of the fifth after walking Nathaniel Lowe with two outs. He's pushed a little bit harder. Mitch Garver works a really long at bat, flies out to the track. Josh Young works a really long at bat, flies out to the track. So Gallen's looking a little more vulnerable here in this inning. But he looks a lot better against Jonah Heim, getting him to swing at a curveball in the dirt. And now comes yet another important sequence. Corbin Carroll flies out, but Cattell Marte reaches base again on a walk. Moreno strikes out swinging, but Christian Walker rips a line drive down the left field line, down the right field line. And with two outs, Tommy Pham draws a walk, loading the bases. Fifth walk for Avaldi, as we're going to hear Eric Nadell and producer Jared Sandler uh, note. And that brings up Lourdes Gurriel, who we've talked about a lot in these playoffs. He's come up time and again with clutch hits, clutch moments, had big swings, and yet again, for the fifth straight inning, they have an opportunity for a two-out RBI. They got a bunch of them in game two, and the Rangers had a bunch of them in games three and four. So what's going to happen here? Well, big game Nate is going to execute his game plan once again. And if Aldi was walked five, there's no place to put Tommy Pham. Eric, this is the 258th career start for Nathan Avaldi, regular and postseason combined. Just the fourth time he has ever walked at least five batters in one of those starts. We are only in the fifth inning. But Evaldi's pitch count is up to 84 already. So here's Guriel, and everybody is standing at Chase Field. Marte at third, Walker at second, Pham at first. The base is full of white-shirted Diamondbacks. Rivaldi to set. The pitch. A swing and a slow ground ball to short. Charged by Seeger. Throws to first. He got him. And Rivaldi gets off the hook yet again. The Diamondbacks leave the bases loaded. They are 0 for 9 with men in scoring position. And at the end of five, it's still nothing, nothing. I must say, given the two walks in the inning and the five walks in the game, that's a bit over-aggressive there from Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Swinging at an off-speed pitch, a breaking ball on the first pitch rather than making Ovaldi work. Trusting yourself. It's an argument amongst baseball fans because sometimes the first pitch is the best one you're going to see. You When guys put the first ball in play, when they swing in a first pitch, look at Corey Seager all throughout these playoffs. It's done a lot of damage. And so you look like a genius when you do it. You don't look like a genius when you make 
weak contact, roll over a ball, or pop out. That's baseball. And what a job by Nathan Navalny, who's actually not done in this game. By the way, he's going to go another inning. But five jams holding guys to 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. Despite five walks, despite not being himself, a gutsy, gutsy performance from Nathan Avaldi, kind of cementing his legacy as a postseason dog. Now, on the top of the six, once again, is a potential opportunity for a letdown. But Zach Gallen, he's having none of it. Gets Leody Tavares to ground out. Travis Gant- Jankowski, who's in for Adolis Garcia, to fly out to left. And then with Marcus Semyon at the plate, who's had a resurgence these last few games, who was so key. Remember, led the AL in hits and runs, hasn't missed a game this year. With Corey Seager on deck, you want to make sure this ending doesn't get to him because Seager has been lethal with runners on in this series, doing damage. You want to push that to the seventh inning as best as you can. Give yourself a chance to have a lead when you face Corey Seager. And Zach Gallen, who's going to work along at bat against Marcus Semyon, is going to find a way to get through six innings without allowing a hit in an elimination game. Seventy-one pitches for Gallon. A two-two count to Simeon. He's ready, and the pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Six shutout in the books. And Gallon yet to allow a hit in Game Five. We go to the bottom of the sixth inning. It is the Rangers nothing and the Diamondbacks nothing. Game Five of the World Series. Like I said about Gallon, exactly what the Diamondbacks need. Near perfect outing so far. It's just that Nathan Evaldi has found a way to put to match him with zeros, despite having to deal with traffic every single inning. Well, Evaldi gets a little bit of a relief here in the bottom of the sixth, has a one-two-three inning, gets a comebacker, then finishes off his night with consecutive strikeouts of Evan Longoria and Geraldo Perdomo, comes off the mound with a big fist pump, fired up, six shutout innings. And with the heart of the Rangers lineup coming up, Corey Seager, Evan Carter, Mitch Garver, against Zach Gallen for the third time. And I'm going to come to that that in just a moment. But if somehow the Rangers, who haven't had a hit yet, just one base runner, can find the way to take the lead here in the seventh, that would line up Nathan Avaldi for his fifth win of this postseason. Five wins in the postseason, 
Only other been done by Randy Johnson and Steven Strasburg. But both of those guys had one win in relief. Randy Johnson, game seven of the, of the 2001 World Series. Steven Strasburg, the wild card game against the Brewers. But no one had won five starts. And no one's team who had had a guy start six games won all six. And well, with how this top of the seventh goes, that looks like it's going to be in the cards for Nathan Avaldi and the Rangers. Here's how it happens. Zach Gallen, throughout his career, but especially this year, dominant first two times through the order. Just like his OPS allowed is about 600 around there, which is great. Great at limiting damage. Third time through, and Zach Allen's a guy who has a lot of experience third time through because he's a guy who consistently works six innings, seven innings, sometimes even into the eighth. Right? This isn't a Zach Gallen's not a five and dive, but he gets hit around third time through the order. All everything jumps up. Batting average, on base, slugging, going from a 600 OPS to about an 857 OPS. That's going from a backup catcher to an all-star like Corbin Carroll, essentially, <laughs> right? A, a middle-of-the-lineup stud. But I will say this for Gallon. Some of it is a little bit of bad luck. He gets ahead of Corey Seager, gets him to chase a curveball down, but it's just up enough that Seager cues it off the end of his bat and it basically squiggles to to left field. They're playing Seager in an overshift. No chance for Longoria to make a play. And then Evan Carter, the rookie who hit Gallon well in game one, has struck out twice today in a 1-0 count, rips a ball to right center, Seager runs over to third, Carter taking advantage of the weak Diamondbacks' arms in the outfield, gets a hustle double, setting up second and third, nobody out. We went from a no-hitter to to now second and third, nobody out. Mitch Garver, who has been really good with runners in scoring position this entire postseason with a chance to give the... Give the Rangers the lead in this game. The first trouble Zach Gallen gets into. First runners in scoring position. And the Rangers are going to cash in immediately. Evan Carter now has reached base safely in all 17 postseason games. The longest such streak in Rangers postseason history. The 0-1. Garber swings, hits it up the middle. Base knocked into center. Seager scores. Carver being held at third as Thomas fires it back into the infield. RBI single for Mitch Garver. And the Rangers score first here in the seventh and lead it one to nothing. The infield was in, but it probably wouldn't have made a difference. As hard as Mitch hit that ball right back up the middle, he turned on a fastball there and hit it 107 miles an hour out over second base. Again, 
scoring first for both of these teams has equated to victory. What an approach from Mitch Garver getting it done early in the count. And that matters so much. The first guy who gets that opportunity, getting the job done. We've seen what happens for the Diamondbacks when the first guy doesn't get it done. It just adds the pressure. Guys start pressing. They expand their zone. They swing early in a count. They start gripping. And then you look and, oh, we didn't score in that perfect opportunity. The Rangers, whether it's luck, whether it's good approach, who knows? But they take advantage of these small mistakes by Gallon. They're not horrible pitches. They're in the middle of the zone, yes. And he hadn't he hadn't made a mistake all night. And here he is, cue shot, ball hitting to right that turns into a double when it maybe should have been a single. And a ball that, if the infield is playing back, could be a double play, possibly. Instead, you're down one nothing, and now you've got even more work to do. Now, credit to Gallon. He ends up striking out Josh Young, basically dismantling him. And then Kevin Ginkle, who's been awesome, comes in, gets a great play from Christian Walker, who gets a fielder's choice, gets a ground ball, comes in, throws it home to get Carter out. And then Jonah Heim pops out, keeping this a one nothing game, which is important. You know, for the D-backs, as big as that one run can seem, and especially it's back-breaking and deflating given all of the opportunities you had, hey, you're still just down one run. And now Evaldi's out of the game. And it's going to be a Roldis Chapman who comes in. And if we know anything about a Roldis Chapman, yeah, it gets a little dicey. It can get a little dicey in the seventh inning which it does to a degree. Corbin Carroll lines out, but Cattell Marte draws a four-pitch walk. Chapman responds, though, by striking out Gabby Moreno, really attacking him at the top of the zone. Moreno, who had been so clutch throughout the whole postseason, last few games has struggled. And then Josh Spores is called upon, sort of another one of the breakout stars of the postseason, a guy who had been a good reliever but got hurt. A guy who had had been with the Dodgers in 2020, but not trusted enough to be on their postseason roster. But here he is. He's been awesome this postseason. And he's going to bring his best with a chance to win the World Series. Gets Christian Walker to line out to keep this a one nothing game. Kevin Ginkle ends up loading the bases in the top of the eighth, but he gets out of it, getting a strikeout of Evan Carter and then a ground out from Mitch Garver to keep it one nothing. Give his team a chance. And they're going to have a chance here in the eighth inning. After Tommy Pham strikes out and, and Lourdes Gurriel ground, grounds out, Alec Thomas gets a two-out Bates hit. Tori Lavulo pinch hits for Evan Longoria with Paven Smith, who is a teammate of Josh Spores in college at UVA. Josh Spores, if you don't know, 
his final year at Virginia, his didn't allow a run in his last 27 innings on the mound. And in the NCAA tournament and college world series, 18 scoreless was the college world series, most outstanding player. So maybe we shouldn't be all that surprised that in a big moment, in a big game, when it matters most, Josh Spores can get the job done and be trusted in the biggest moments of the season. And part of that is he can throw filth like this to Pavin Smith. But the Rangers could end it right here. 10 of the last 12 World Series have ended with the winners clinching on the road. The Rangers hoping to make it 11 out of 13 tonight. Two and two, the count on Smith. Spores is ready, pushes off, comes home. Struck him out looking on a curve on the outside corner. Just barely hooked that corner. Down goes Smith and the eighth inning is over. No runs on a hit and one left. We've completed eight. Just a perfect backdoor breaking ball. Nothing Paven Smith can do on that one. A little uh, UVA on UVA crime right there from Josh Spores. And again, that's so important to get this to the ninth inning, keep the lead. Don't allow the demon, the Diamondbacks to score, right? Don't give them confidence. And it's going to be especially important, you know, because it allows Bruce Bochy to set up, have Jose LeClerc ready, be ready to go for the ninth inning. But based, based on what happens in the top of the ninth, Bruce Bochy is going to be able to stay with Josh Spores. Because Paul Sewald comes into the game and his struggles against the Rangers in this series continue. Josh Young rips a ball up the middle. Then Nathaniel Lowe takes one the other way, setting up first and second for Jonah Heim with nobody out. And what happens next is a play that if the Diamondbacks had scored or had found a way to make this game closer and take advantage of opportunities would be much more remembered as a, oh my God, how did that happen type of play? You know, especially given the Diamondbacks vaunted defensive reputation heading into this series. They've made a couple of uh, poor defensive mishaps. And this is one here that's going to lead to a couple of runs to score and set up the Rangers to do even more damage in this ninth inning. The crowd trying to get behind Seawall. Two on, nobody out. The third baseman plays in, and the pitch is swung on. Ground ball right side. It's through a base hit. Racing around third base is Young, and he will score, and the ball gets by. All the way to the 4-13 sign. Here comes Lowe. He scores. Into third base is Jonah Heim, and the Rangers lead 3-0 in the top of the ninth. The ball misplayed out in right center field. And two runs score. Alec Thomas let that ball get by him. Jonah hit it just past Cattell Marte. It was rolling. It was an easy pickup. 
and it went right under his glove all the way to the wall. That misplay makes it a 3-0 game. It would have been a 2-0 game uh, even if Thomas comes up with that one cleanly. He doesn't have the arm uh, to throw anyone out. The play kind of reminds me of the Trent Grisham misplay on the Juan Soto uh, rip to right field in the 2019 wildcard game where Trent Grisham, a highly touted defensive outfielder, is trying to make the heroic play forgets to do the simplest thing. Catch the ball first. Can't throw a guy out at home or you can't cut off a base runner if you don't first catch the ball. Really, really costly and given how big this outfield is, allows low to score all the way from first. Allows Heim, who is not fast, to end up at third base. Now, Paul Seawald responds... Right, strikes out Leody Tavares, gets a ground out to short from Travis Jankowski. But his issues with the top of the Rangers order are going to continue because ultimately there's no way he wants to face Corey Seager and probably doesn't even want it getting to Evan Carter. Would rather not load the bases. So he knows he's going to have to be aggressive with Marcus Semyon. And Marcus Semyon knows that, and this ain't the same Marcus Semyon who entered this World Series. This is the guy who's probably going to finish top five in MVP, the guy who got a huge contract, the guy who, with this at-bat here, sets a record for the most plate appearances in a single season, surpassing Lenny Dykstra in 1993. And with his last swing, his last plate appearance, He is going to put a stamp on this game and pretty much start the celebration in the top of the ninth. The 0-1. Simeon lines one deep to left center field. That ball is way back, and that ball is history. A two-run homer for Marcus Simeon. It's 5-0 Rangers in the ninth. A blistering line drive that never came down in left center field. Marcus with five RBIs yesterday, one the day before, coming alive for the Rangers at just the right time. The Rangers extend their streak to 16 straight games with a home run. And Marcus Simeon hits his second in as many nights. What a blast. That is a dagger from Marcus Simeon. Dugout goes crazy. I believe actually they extend their record to 17 straight games uh, this postseason uh, with a home run. Regardless. The fun is starting. Do want to make a quick note. Paul Seawald was awesome in these playoffs up until the World Series. And the D-backs bullpen was awesome when you think about Ryan Thompson and Kevin Ginkle. Kevin Ginkle didn't allow a run the entire postseason. Seawald was scoreless 
until Corey Seager hit that ball in game one to tie to tie it. And here ends up allowing four runs. All of them are going to be earned because the error by Alec Thomas wasn't on a play to make an out. It was just to stop runners from advancing. So two innings, six runs given up for Seawald. An ugly end to what was otherwise a great season and a great postseason run for him. Disappointing. And that's kind of just what this has been for the D-backs. We'll have more on them in a bit because I want to get to the bottom of the ninth. By the way, Corey Seager picked up another base hit. You know, to raise his average in this series. We'll get we'll get to his stats in a moment. But Josh Spores is going to stay in this ball game. Understand the logic here. It's it's the right move by Bochi. As much as LeClerc has been awesome, you trust him with a 5-nothing lead. Hey, let Spores go out there cuz you can't bring Spores back in the game. You've used pretty much all of the other weapons you want to use. So if Spores gets into trouble, LeClerc will put out the fire. But Josh Worse, he ain't getting into any trouble. He's looking to lock this thing down like he did for Virginia back in the 2015 College World, World Series. Strikes out. Geraldo Perdomo freezes him on a breaking ball. Gets Corbin Carroll to pop out behind the plate. And then he's going to get to two strikes on Cattell Marte. Diamondbacks best hitter this postseason. Here it is. One strike away from their first ever World Series. I'll let Eric Nadell, who's been broadcasting the Rangers for 45 years, started in the late 70s, He's seen the highs, the lows, the triumphs, and the heartbreaks. There's not a better person, a better historian, essentially, to capture this moment, the emotions of it. You've you've heard their emotions from both him and Matt Hicks throughout this game. They They know about the heartbreak, by the way, going back to 2011. They know... They know they're all too familiar with getting so close and it then seeming so far away. So they're not going to take this for granted. But for Eric Nadell and the Texas Rangers, this one is history. Two balls, two strikes. Spores, kicks, and fires. He struck him out looking. It's over. It's over. The Rangers have won the World Series. Ranger fans, you're not dreaming. The Rangers are the World Series champions. After 52 years in Texas, 63 years of the franchise, the wait is over. And the celebration has begun. Straight up 8 o'clock in the Mountain Standard Time Zone, 11 o'clock on the East Coast, 10 o'clock back home in Texas. Josh Spores wraps it up 
and the Rangers are your World Series champions. Can you believe it? Wow. May the ghosts of 2011 be forever erased. The Rangers mobbing each other in front of and behind the mound. What a year it has been. All of the injuries, all of the adversity in the second half. Losing on the last day of the regular season. Losing three games at home to the Astros in the American League Championship Series. Only to come back and win game six and seven in Houston. And winning all three games here in Arizona to go 11-0 on the road this postseason. Amazing. What a spectacular call there from Eric Nadell. You can feel the emotion and everything that fan base has been through. Because that's the other thing, especially from radio, whether it's your radio or your television, the one who's been calling the games. I remember when Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler called it where sometimes you might not nail the words exactly how you want it, but you can, you can hear the emotion and you can feel it through the airwaves of, because they're, they're the voice of the team of the fan base in many ways. And gosh, man, it's so cool. Now, obviously, being from the Washington area, there's a bit of a connection to the Rangers. Of course, this week we lost the great Washington Senator and then Ranger Frank Howard Hondo, the Washington Monument, who back when, uh, back at RFK, used to be able to have the seats where he hit his absolute moonshots and um, he hit the first home run in Texas Rangers history in Arlington and the last homer for the senators at RFK. You know, this one it's for Michael Young, Adrian Beltre, Johnny Oates and Charlie Huff and Pud Rodriguez, Juan Gonzalez, Neftali Feliz, you go on and on about all the members who didn't get here and didn't get this opportunity. But it's also very much about these players. Corey Seager, what a run. What a couple of runs he's been on in his career. Takes his second World Series MVP. Only the second ever position player to do that. The other, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. And while... This run that Seeger is on is not as great as the Reggie Jackson in 77 and 78, um, which, in case you didn't know, that year, Reggie Jackson, in 16 games between the 77 World Series and the 78 World Series, not counting the 77 ALCS, 16 games, 24 for 56, 429, 522, 965 slash line for a 1.456 OPS Nine homers, 22 RBIs, 17 runs scored. Yeah. Uh, per 162, that would equate to 91 home runs and 223 RBIs. So, Corey Seager, or really good, like on like a 50 homer pace, this run 
you know, 21 for 66, 318, 451, 682, six homers, 12 RBIs, 18 runs scored. Awesome. Well-deserved. And he was awesome in 2020, by the way, too. Um, I kind of pulled together the, some stats of other great uh, legendary runs like Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto in 2019 were awesome throughout the playoffs. David Ortiz twice in 04 and 13. David Freeze, heck, even Adolis Garcia. Not the great all-around numbers because he didn't. He hardly walked, but of course he had a historic postseason run that unfortunately was cut short, but set a record for RBIs in a single postseason. But another one that most people don't think about is Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor uh, in the 90, in 93 with the Blue Jays went 20 for 55 in 12 games, a 426, 509, 809 slash line, three homers, 12 RBIs, 17 runs. Absolutely dominant for those Blue Jays. All this is to say, Corey Seager is awesome and he passed. Reggie Jackson on some lists and ads on there. But let's not go so fast as to call him the new Mr. October. I think we can remember Reggie Jackson, and that is a well-earned nickname for Mr. October. He gets to keep that one. Nathan Navaldi, of course, as I mentioned, first pitcher to go 5-0 and in a postseason as a starter. Five wins. Team goes six and zero, like he's just awesome. I think his teams are now like eleven, ten and one or eleven and one when he starts a postseason game. Yeah, he's that dude. He's that dude. Absolutely dominant. He's going to be remembered as such. But two guys I want to highlight here. They aren't players. All right, I could go on and on about all the different things. Chris Young, the new GM, who we're going to hear from in a moment, and Bruce Bochy, the decision to hire Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy joins an exclusive list along with Casey Stengel, Joe McCarthy, Connie Mack, Joe Torrey, and Walter Alston as guys to win four World Series, at least four World Series. Mack, Stengel, and Austin had five, seven, seven, respectively. Sorry, Mack. Stengel and McCarthy. Walter Austin only had four with the Dodgers. But Bochi also joins Bucky Harris, Bill McKitchney, Sparky Anderson, and Tony LaRussa as guys to win World Series with multiple teams. Of course, Dick Williams had an opportunity to do so, and other managers have had opportunities to do so. But to get it done, quite impressive for Bruce Bochi. Here's... First Chris Young, and then Bruce Bochy being interviewed by Kevin Burkhart. Talking about what this World Series means to them. Boy, am I happy for you. You you come home, you're, you're born and raised in Dallas, grew up there, you became an athlete there in Dallas, and you took this job for this exact reason, to bring this trophy home. Tell me how it all unfolded. Well, Kevin, I got to start by congratulating the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's a classy organization. They have tremendous leadership. And Mike, Tory, uh, their front office, it's a tremendous organization. They deserve a ton of credit for a great season. Uh, secondly, I want to give credit to our entire organization, our, starting with our ownership, Ray and Neil, a good friend and mentor, John Daniels, who started this and set out the vision. Um, 
our players. This is, they did this. They have this trophy, but we have this trophy because of them. They made this happen. They deserve this. I love them all. Bruce Bochy, unbelievable. What a Hall of Fame manager came back and led us to this. And of course, most importantly, our fans. They've waited a long time for this. The wait is over. They deserve this. Thank you. Congrats, UI. Bruce Bochy. Take hold of that. They're saying Bruce, I hope. So take us back when your guy, Chris, gave you a phone call and just kind of asked if you wanted to get back to managing again. You think that was the, the, the right answer to say yes? Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's unreal. I was sitting on a recliner there in Nashville and just enjoying myself when he called me. And I tell you what, I, I, I'm so honored to ride with these guys. Uh, it, they, they inspire me with the, how resilient they've been. But to get this call, be part of this, I know how blessed I am. I can't thank these guys enough. Resiliency has been a name of this team, right? I mean, you've been road warriors. You didn't lose a game on the road. It started obviously in Seattle, and you go through Tampa and Baltimore and Houston, and here you are. How did you manage to play so great on the road this entire postseason? Man, I tell you, it's it's amazing how they came together. And I, I go back to Seattle. We lost a tough game there, the last game, trying to win this division, and they could have got down. They went in Tampa, put that beside uh, beside them, and uh, just got after it. And it's incredible to do what they did and that's what we talked about how tough a group this is how resilient they are again they inspired me thank you guys one more bruce what's what's asking about nathan he's been so good in these big games you know that you know you had confidence in him and once again he delivered what was most impressive about him tonight well that's nathan i mean that's that's his resume we had the right guy out there we knew it and we had all the confidence in the world in him. He's done it before. We knew he'd do it again. And for him to go out there and match against a really tough guy, uh, he, it's incredible what he did for us. Number four, raise that thing above your head, Bruce. Enjoy it. Bruce Bochy, ladies and gentlemen, there we go. The Texas Rangers are in good hands with their leadership, with Chris Young and with however long Bruce Bochy wants to continue managing because you can tell still loves to do it. Still loves to win. An awesome competitor. And these Rangers, they've got guys locked up and they've got young guys who are up and coming. Do want to make a note of some cool things also about the Rangers before I get to the Diamondbacks. Max Scherzer, two-time World Series champion. Heck, even Aroldis Chapman, two-time World Series champion. Nathan Avaldi joins that list. And how about Will Smith? Three straight World Series with three different teams. Never happened before. Don't think it's happened in the wide world of professional sports. Three different teams part of three different championship seasons maybe some other moments there i might be missing some other uh two-time champions oh well of course Corey seager how could i forget him uh but we just talked about him and the the run that he was on and i mean it's so impressive the two world series that seager's been a part of to win he's been the driving factor offensively two legendary runs for him the reason why i say maybe let's wait on calling him mr october is some of those other postseasons were not as great 
Though, same can kind of be said for Reggie. But I digress. What a run for these Rangers. 11-0 on the road. Bruce Bochy, by the way, fourth World Series. All four, he's clinched on the road. Against Texas in 2010. In Detroit in 2012. In Kansas City, Game 7, Madison Bumgarner in 2014. And now in Arizona. He also becomes the first manager to win a World Series with a team he beat in the World Series. So many fun facts. I've probably missed a bunch. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers, their fans. They've earned it. They went out there and earned it. Getting through the slog of the postseason is tough. And to win in such convincing fashion, to win as they did on the road so often, yeah, that's a tough team. That is a team that's resilient. That is a team. And what can you say? They're champions. And they'll be looked at as probably favorites for next year, but who the heck knows? We haven't had repeat champions since the Yankees all the way back in 2000. We haven't even had teams have a chance to defend their title that often. The last of which was the 2009 Phillies were the last team to have the opportunity to defend their title. We've had teams go to -to back-to-back World Series. They usually lose the first one. Anyway, what a ride for these Rangers. Awesome, awesome for their fans and for those players and for the broadcasters. For the Diamondbacks, as we're going to hear described here by Greg Schulte, the longtime D-backs radio announcer who was hoping this wouldn't be his final game, but had a sign-off prepared in case it was. He's going to describe what it meant for him to be able to call this World Series, call the games for so many years. It's a great sign-off. Also talks about his partner here, Tom Candiotti who will be staying, of course, with the D-backs, and Chris Garagiola uh, will be taking over the main duties, I'm assuming. Could be wrong on that. But baseball is is in good hands, and it matters so much. And, And listen here to the words Greg Schulte uses and the way... He talks about how what this means to him and what it means to the fans and what it means to the team and everything. And you get why baseball matters, why the broadcast matters, why I care about this and why I hope you care about it too. You know, it's even when you get so far and come up short, it's still an incredible ride. And it's all the more special because of the people you share it with. Well, partner, it's been fun. It's been 18 years of uh, business up here, but it's been uh, baseball business and sure couldn't have done it without you. And uh, I'm ending things here tonight and uh, it's a little bit tough. But at the same time, hey, we got a free ride watching the World Series getting uh, five games in and uh, I'm going to miss you. I know you're going to continue on and uh, 
help these Diamondbacks uh, go through some successful seasons. It's a bright future these guys have got. Well, we're going to miss you, all of us, for sure. And it's, it's been, for 18 years, it's been a blast. Yeah. So it's we're going to miss your voice. you got to come by. Well, I'll come by. If they ask me to come by, I'll come by, and right. uh, we'll have some fun. I'm going to come back and wrap things up. Well, good friends, the uh, end has come. What a season for the Diamondbacks, and to think the best is yet to come with this ball club and this organization. This team was so much upside, and now they have postseason experience. And what a postseason it was, ending with a World Series appearance. We are all in for a nice ride going forward with these talented young players. As for me, this is it. 26 seasons of amazing baseball with this organization including a World Series championship in 2001, only four short years after the D-backs played their very first game in 1998. How thrilling for me to get back to the World Series in my final season calling Diamondbacks baseball. I want to thank Jerry Colangelo and Rich Dozier, who were there at the beginning. Jerry knew my desire to broadcast baseball and gave me that chance. To Kent Kendrick and Derek Hall, who have been great to me over the years, I thank them, along with Scott Geyer, for honoring me with the Greg Schulte radio booth. That Friday, October 29th, was a bit overwhelming for myself and my family. To all of my partners over the years on radio and television, the production people who I've become good friends with, to the many workers at Chase Field, I'll miss your smiling faces and our conversations. To our fans who have been so kind to me over the 26 seasons, and to all of our loyal listeners on KTAR, and our Diamondbacks radio network around the state. Thank you for being with us, many from day one. To my family, my wife Nancy, we celebrate our 50th anniversary in two weeks. She's been great over all the years, getting our children, Scott and Stephanie, to all of their school events, taking care of everything at home, while I was on road trips all around the country, and never once did she complain. She'll have me around the house all the time now, and I think she may wish I was still doing ball games. <laughs> anyway, our grown children, Scott and Stephanie, I thank you for understanding their jobs, uh, dad's jobs and their, my travels as they were growing up. Finally, to the guys in the booth here, Chris Garagiola, I just shake my head when he tells me he was six years old when I broadcast my first Diamondbacks game. He got pushed into the role of traveling and doing all road games his very first season. He's been terrific. Leo Gilmartin, who Leo's been with me from day one. He took over the radio producer engineer role in 2001. I'll miss his hello, Mr. Schulte, as I enter the radio booth to prepare for a radio broadcast each day. And to Tom Candiotti, my partner since 2006, 18 years. We've become very close friends. So many meals, plane rides, buses to and from the ballparks and the airports hanging together on the road over the years. He's been the best partner any radio play-by-play -play announcer could ask for. The good thing is we'll stay in touch. We'll get together for lunch or dinner and we'll make fantasy football trades. We've become lifetime friends. Thank you all. It's been my privilege and honor to be the voice of the Arizona Diamondbacks since day one. 26 seasons, almost 4,000 games. You'll see Nancy me at the ballpark from time to time as years go on. Please stop and say hello. There's a saying, don't cry because it's over, smile because it happened. Right now, there's a little bit of both for me. And so one last time, for Leo Gilmartin, for Chris Garaziola, for Tom Candiotti, I'm Greg Schulte. We say so long for now. So long, governor. You'll be missed. It's been a blessing and an honor to kind of get to know these voices 
every once in a while during the regular season when I've turned on games, I've made it a point to listen to the local radio broadcast, get a little insight, but haven't spent as much time as I have with these two teams and their two broadcasters as as I've had this past month. And got to say, I think Diamondbacks fans and Rangers fans, awesome that you had such great broadcasters who were so dedicated, so darn good at their jobs. And for Diamondbacks, I believe you're also in good hands with Chris Garagiola going to be taking things over. From how I listened to him, did a darn good job, in my opinion. But I'm sure there will be many who will be tuning in in the years to come and still wishing to hear from the governor, Greg Schulte. That's going to do it here for us, for the 2023 season. The hot stove will be warming up soon, and we'll be looking ahead to 2024. In the coming weeks and months, we'll be looking ahead to the Hall of Fame uh, with both the Veterans Committee and the Writers' Ballot. We'll definitely have episodes coming up for that uh, as we've had uh, the past years. I love covering uh, the Hall of Fame and uh, one of my passionate topics. But in terms of what series will come next, well, keep your ears open. I'll have something coming in the relatively near future. And also probably might be working on something either making a YouTube channel or some other things. There will be plenty of more baseball content and there'll be plenty more of the past to relive. All in all, thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time on Fall Classic Rewind.